Thank you, Jag and Eva. And good evening to you. We are so grateful that you're joining with us tonight as we continue our journey through the Psalms. You know, I love the song that uh, Jag and Eva just played. It begins with thanking God for the cross and thanking uh, Jesus for the price that he paid, but then crescendos up to praising Jesus as worthy is the Lamb seated on the throne. You see, as we contemplate what God has done for us, that contemplation of the activity of God can lead us to praise. I hope that you've enjoyed the journey through the Psalms thus far as you've been reading three Psalms a day or maybe as you know this past week we've read uh, a little more than three a day and then of course there was Psalm 119 and just that one Psalm was enough to read in one day for most of us but I hope that you've been enjoying reading and as you've been reading you've been learning more about our God. You know one thing that I like to suggest to people when it comes to reading the Scripture is not to approach the Scripture asking the question, what? That's what many people do. Many people read the Bible because they're looking for answers. They, they're looking for who am I supposed to marry, or, or what am I supposed to do with my life, or where am I supposed to live, or how am I supposed to handle a particular situation? And so oftentimes, people's approach to the Bible is to read the Scripture asking the question, what? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do from here? But I believe a better way to approach the Scripture is to open up the text asking the question, who? Remember, all Scripture is inspired by God. The Bible, as we have learned, particularly in Psalm 119, is God's gift to us, revealing Himself to us, and in revealing Himself to us, guiding us into how we're to live our lives. And so I encourage you, as you look to the Scripture, to ask the question, who? God, who are you? And so tonight, I want us to focus on Psalms 124 through 127. And we're going to look at different things that God reveals to us about Himself and hopefully will lead us to praise. And now, if you followed along, and actually beginning in Psalm 120, we began the Psalm of Ascents. There are 15 Psalm of Ascents. And what that means is that these were Psalms that pilgrims, as they were making their way to worship in the temple at Jerusalem, these were 15 different Psalms that as they were making their way to the temple, these Psalms they would recite. And it would, through contemplation, cause them to praise God. And as they approached the temple to worship, it helped lead them in praise. And so I want to point out just a couple of verses from each of these Psalm 124 to one, Psalm 127, these incredible things that we can learn about God. So we begin there in Psalm 124. Notice how David says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side. You see, when you think about that particular verse, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, David is reminding us of the strength of God. Now, he talks particularly, if you look down to verse 4, then the waters would have overwhelmed us, the streams would have gone over our soul, then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Now, no one knows for sure, but possibly David is looking back to God's people Israel in the time of Moses. And the Exodus experience. 
As you remember, they got right to the edge of the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his chariots and his men were marching after Israel, wanting to bring them back as slaves in Egypt. And Israel wondered how in the world they were going to be able to survive that as the Red Sea was right in front of them. But of course, you remember how God parted the Red Sea and Moses and all the Israelites made it through the Red Sea on dry land. But when the last Israelite crossed over to the other side, then God brought the waters over Pharaoh and all the Egyptians and all of those horses and chariots. And so if this is what David is referring to, David is saying, listen, remember the strength of God. If the Lord had not been on our side, we wouldn't have had any chance in the world. uh, Egypt and Pharaoh had far outmatched Israel and what they were able to do, but God was for them. If the Lord had not been on our side, the strength of God. You know, it reminds us, doesn't it, of what Paul said to us in Romans 8 when he said, if God is for us, who can be against us? And so David is leading us in Psalm 124 to praise God For his strength. In Psalm 125, notice how it begins. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. So in Psalm 125, David is pointing out the stability that we have in God. He said, just like the mountains surround Jerusalem, and and it's hard to attack Jerusalem because of the mountains that protect her, God protects his people. God surrounds his people. And as a result of the stability that we have in God, we can live with poise. Like maybe many of you, I watched last week the NFL draft. And though it was kind of interesting to watch and the way that they were having to do it virtually, you know, it was just some sports to be able to watch. And that was a great thing. But, you know, if you pay attention to the draft, of course, generally at the top of the draft, you see where quarterbacks go. I mean, there's such a a high demand for a good quarterback in the NFL and such an important position. But then you begin to see offensive linemen who were going. Offensive linemen who go pretty high, particularly tackles, oftentimes even those who are on the blind side of the quarterback. Well, the reason that is, is because it doesn't, it doesn't matter how good a quarterback is if there are not linemen to protect him. And so when you hear the, 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 the term oftentimes for people like uh, a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees, you'll hear an analyst say that this quarterback has a lot of poise. He has a lot of pocket presence. What they mean by that is that when things are beginning to look like they could be crumbling all around, they're able to stand in the midst of the pocket, which is the circle that's being uh, drawn essentially by the linemen who are keeping the defenders at bay. The great quarterbacks are the ones who can stand in that eye of the storm, so to speak, in that, in that peaceful, if there is such a thing, part of that pocket where they're not able to be touched, who can keep their eyes downfield and they can make the throw on time in the right spot. You see, David is saying that because like the mountains of Jerusalem or in the analogy that we use, like the offensive linemen who draw the circle for the quarterback, 
because of the stability of God, regardless of what we endure through life, regardless of what disruptions come our way, we can stand in the pocket poised. You know, one of the things that that I remember and I may have shared with you about Hurricane Katrina and I remember after the storm had come through there and on the Gulf Coast, and, and of course I was a pastor at First Baptist Biloxi, and, and, and kind of wondering, you know, how in the world I was going to handle this particular situation, and, and really asking, what in the world am I supposed to do, and feeling very uh, ill-equipped for, to handle uh, such a, a, a difficult thing like that. I, I was doing a, a Bible study, and that one of that, this particular morning, I got up and I was doing the Bible study. And the author of the study, it was actually Nancy Lee DeMoss. And she said in that study that as we live our day, particularly in life's difficulties, we are to live as if God has one hand under us and God is using his other hand to cover us. That meant the world to me. It made so much sense to just go about my day trusting that God had one hand under me and one hand over me. You see, David reminds the worshipers that God is our strength. And if the Lord hadn't been on our side, think about all the things we've been through. If the Lord hadn't been on our side, where in the world would we be? God is our strength. And he reminds the worshipers that God is the one who brings stability. Like the mountains around Jerusalem, so God encircles those whom he loves and he allows us to stand in poise in the midst of the pocket. Then look at Psalm 126 where he says there in verse 1, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dream." Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And then he says, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. So the psalmist here is reminding the worshipers of the salvation of God. Now, it seems to be that this particular psalm is, is looking towards the release of the captives from Babylon. And where the people, because of their sin, had been carried away captive as God warned them would happen. And they spent those years in captivity longing to be able to go back to Jerusalem. How God allowed them by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, God in his incredible loving kindness and mercy allowed the people to return in those three waves, one under Zerubbabel, one under Ezra, and one under Nehemiah. And so it seems to picture the return of Israel from that captivity. And the psalmist is reminding us, listen, the Lord has done great things for us. The Lord is the one who is our salvation. What an incredible thing to remember as the pilgrims are going to worship and they're recounting the goodness of God. The Lord is our strength. The Lord is our stability. The Lord is our salvation. And then finally, I want you to look at a very familiar passage there in Psalm 127, verse 1, where Solomon is actually writing 
Psalm 127, he says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Now, there are differences of opinion of exactly what Solomon's speaking of here. Is he speaking of the family unit, whereas Psalm 127 continues on talking about the blessing of children? But the word there actually speaks of a dwelling place, a, a place where one would live. So it seems that, 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 that probably Solomon is speaking more of a structure. And he says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And the point that Solomon seems to make is, it doesn't matter how hard a builder works, that builder needs God. If God doesn't want something to be built, it won't be built. Give an example. Think back with me to Genesis chapter 11. And remember, after the flood, of course, God's plan was for uh, the people to be fruitful and multiply and scatter over the earth. And in Genesis chapter 11, we see once again the rebellion of man. Man didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. Man wanted to do his own thing. That's sin. We all uh, commit that very same thing. But you remember, the people gathered together and they said, let's build us a city. And let's build us a tower that reaches to the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. Isn't that the way of man? God wants us to carry his name, but we want a name for ourselves. And they went on to say, so that we don't have to be scattered over the earth. Well, you remember the story of the Tower of Babel? Of course, God saw and heard everything that the people were planning to do. And the scripture says that God determined that he was going to send languages among the people and the people would be divided and the people would be scattered. You see, it was their intention to build a city and a tower. They had the intentions to make it happen, but God wasn't going to let it happen. You see, as David talks about the strength of the Lord in Psalm 124 and the stability of the Lord in Psalm 125 and the salvation of the Lord in Psalm 126, David reminds us of the sovereignty of the Lord in Psalm 127. God is the one who is in control of all things. God is the one who has the whole world in his hands. And without God, we have nothing. So let's kind of process through those things and uh, apply them to our own lives. As we're reminded in Psalm 124 of the strength of God. And how God has been our strength and, and God has provided for us. I want you to think for a moment about all the ways that God has revealed his strength to you. I want you to think about those times in life where you just weren't sure you could go another day. You just didn't know how in the world you were going to be able to manage. And God, at just the right time, provided. I want you to think about those times when you were despairing, when you were struggling maybe with depression and you were just down. But God had a way of just lifting you up. Think about those moments where it just seemed impossible but you were reminded once again that with God, all things are possible. God is our strength, isn't he? 
want you to think about those times where God has been the stability in your life. Several weeks ago, Reed preached about lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Think about those times where God has been your rock. How when the waters seemed to be encircling you, how it seemed when the enemy was all about and you were facing all sorts of disruptions, how God really did hold you up with one hand and cover you with another. Think about how God has been the stability in your life. Think about how God has been your salvation. About how there was that time in your life when you were held captive by sin. That time in your life when you were separated from God because of the way that you selfishly insisted doing things on your own way. But even as we were reminded this morning that love came for us and that beautiful song that was sung. Be reminded of the salvation of the Lord, how God took on human flesh as we celebrated Christmas. Born to a virgin and lived a sinless life, teaching us about the kingdom and the way to the kingdom through him. And how Jesus went to the cross and he took our sin and our guilt and our shame. And he died on that cross, he was buried in a tomb, but on the third day was raised again. Showing us that he is the way and the truth and the life. Think about the salvation of God. And then think about the sovereignty of God. Listen, you and I can go to the store and we can buy food. And we can cook that food and we can season that food. But at the end of the day... If God doesn't bring the rain and the sun, there is no food. Think about how God is the one who orders our days. God is the one who brings the sun up in the morning and the stars out at night. Think about how God has the whole world in his hands. Think about how our God is sovereign. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And then praise God for his strength. Praise God for the stability that he brings in life. Praise God for his salvation. And praise God for his sovereignty. And then trust and rest in his strength. Allow him to be the one who helps you find stability. Rest in his salvation. And trust and rest in his sovereignty. I love just thinking about how the pilgrims are making their way to Jerusalem. Some say that the Song of Ascents would have taken uh, quite a while, that, that, that it would have been a, a lengthy journey, and so it would have begun maybe at the beginning of their journey all the way to Jerusalem. And some say maybe the 15 Psalms of Ascents were uh, read as the worshiper was making his way up the 15 steps to the temple. I don't know which one it was, but what I know is this. As the worshiper would make his way and as he would be reminded of 
who God is. The heart of the worshiper would be truly prepared to worship his God. You know, it really is important. Whether it's three psalms a day or it's reading some other passages in scripture. That we make it just a part of our day. To spend unhurried time in the presence of God. You know, I did a video this morning for our graduating seniors. Not, not just the one that we did in worship, but they had a Zoom breakfast meeting this morning. And I was sharing on your behalf, once again, how proud we are of them and, and how we're here for them and how they need to know that we're in their corner and, and we believe in them. We believe in what God desires to do through them and we're available to them anytime they need us. But I was sharing with them what Dallas Willard, a Christian philosopher and thinker, once said when he said that the most important thing in life is not what you do, but who you become. That's what stays with you for eternity. And so I shared with them, I said, listen, having served as a pastor for 12 and a half years in a college community, I've seen thousands of students who have come through, many who have done college well, and many, of course, who haven't. And so I shared with them two really important tips on how to do college well, how to become who God wants you to be. And one of them that I shared with them is the importance of being involved in a local church, to be around people who are going to encourage you and to be around particularly adults who are a stage or two ahead of you in life who can invest in you and model for you what it looks like to become what God wants you to be. But the other thing I pointed out to them was the importance of studying the Word of God. And I taught them how to approach the Scripture, essentially asking the question, who, by looking at a text and seeing one verse that really stands out, just as I modeled for you in the last few moments we've been together. And to, to, to jot that verse down and then begin to pray in response to how God has revealed Himself through that verse. To pray, praising God for how he has revealed himself and the wonderful attributes of who he is. But then also, even in their petitions, to call out to him and to rest in him and trust in him, particularly in those areas as he reveals himself each day. You see, that's kind of what the psalmists are modeling for us, isn't it? Because it's as we come to see who God is, as we contemplate the greatness of his name, it is through doing that that we are truly able to worship. Next Sunday morning, we're going to be talking about rethinking worship. And can you imagine how different Worship for us would be if we have been taking the steps during the week, walking forward, learning more and more and more about God, ready to erupt in praise to Him as we gather for worship. Will you pray with me?
Our Father, as we bow before you tonight, we praise you for being our strength. We praise you for being our stability. We praise you for being our salvation, and we praise you for being sovereign. You have revealed all of those aspects to us throughout life, but to have the opportunity this week and even tonight to contemplate those truths about you, how wonderful you really are. So, Father, as we continue to walk forward through this pandemic, just waiting for the day that we can return back to this place and worship you, even in the midst of this disruption that life has brought our way, we trust in you, our strength, our stability, our salvation, and the one who is sovereign. Thank you for being a God who reveals and allowing us this time of worship tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you.